0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at we Are City ca. Morning, friends. You guys doing all right? All right. Well, we, uh, Lori and I, and our family, we were away this past week and Uh, I want to just thank you guys. I had so many of you reach out to us. Uh, My grandfather, who was in his mid-90s, he uh, went home to be with Jesus, in fact, uh, last Sunday about this time, and uh, that was something we knew was coming, but you guys reached out to us and were just such an encouragement to us. And So this week, I actually have the privilege of uh, on Wednesday, doing a quick trip to Indianapolis to preach at my grandfather's funeral and uh, then be back on Friday. But thank you for caring and thank you for reaching out. That's what uh, a really a gathering is all about. That's what, whether you're somebody that's been connected to the church or not, whether you got hurt by the church in your background, uh, a healthy gathering of Jesus followers cares about each other and, and, and focuses in on caring for people and praying for each other. And uh, thank you guys for doing that. Uh, Over this next uh, week, as we think about prayer and as we think about caring... Uh, A few weeks ago when we talked about some new things that we're going to be doing here at City Walk Church, uh, I mentioned to you that we were going to begin a monthly prayer gathering where we get together and we focus on prayer and we cry out to God for our families, we cry out to God for our city and for the needs of each other. And so next week at 9.30 before the service, uh, so we obviously start at 10.30, we're going to do from 9.30 to 10.00. Uh, The first Sunday of every month right in here, we're going to have a prayer time together and really just a prayer gathering. And so I want to invite you to set the alarm a little bit earlier on Sunday morning next week and come a little bit early and uh, just be a part of praying because again, that's what we do as a gathering and we're dependent on Jesus Christ for breath. And so we want to cry out to him and, and really ask him to work. And so that's next week. And then another thing that, again, we felt as a family this week is we felt the care of our church. And we want to make this a place where whether you come you know, once in a while or whether you're here every single week, that when you have a need, that the people of City Walk are here to help and encourage you. And so one of the ways we're doing that is we've developed a care team. And what you can do is simply you can go on our on our app and on today's bulletin and you can actually sign up. And here's what you can sign up for. There's some of you in here that you love making a meal like the idea of, hey, somebody has a need for a meal and man, I'd love to help with that. You, you can do that. There's some people in here that, that you would love to know when there's like a, a person, maybe a widow that, man, they, they have a clogged pipe and they need somebody to come look at it. And man, you're good at that. And, and, and you can tell us, hey, I can do that. Maybe you're somebody that likes writing cards to people. Basically, we just want to find out what everybody enjoys doing so that when needs come up, We can say, hey, we've got five people that said they enjoy making meals, and so we're going to supply a week of meals for this family that needs it. And so you can go right on the app, and you can sign up right there, and just really let us know uh, what you enjoy doing. Uh, If you don't like technology and you just want to tell somebody that stuff, you can go to the Next Steps table afterwards, and, and we'll fill out the information for you, just so we almost have a database of people that, hey, these people specialize in these things, and so when a need comes up in our city or in our gathering, man, we, we're able to get people connected. And so, and that's, like I said, what a, what a gathering should be. Uh, growing up, and we were back in Florida this week uh, for a wedding and for some, seeing some friends, but I, I grew up in Lakeland, Florida. Some of you know my testimony a little bit. Uh, My family moved to central Florida from Grand Rapids, Michigan when I was five years old. And so I can vaguely remember my dad packing us up, and my dad wanted to, to move to Florida because he wanted to go to this Bible school. And I didn't, I didn't, I was five, I, all right, where do we need to go? I didn't know about Florida. All I heard was it was extremely hot there. And so I, you know, went with the family, got to Florida, and my dad went to this Bible school. And he's never been in, in full-time ministry, but he just wanted to go to school. And, and my dad, the very first Sunday we were there, he said, hey, I've got three or four churches that we're going to go visit and then after we visit three or four churches, we're going to you know, pick the one we like the best as a family, and, and we'll make that our church. And so I remember the very first Sunday we were there, we went to a, a little, it was a little at that time, little church called Heritage Baptist Church in Lakeland, Florida. And uh, we we went to this church, and and I remember at the end of the service, and kind of on the on the way home, you know you do this, and you, you may not admit it, but you know, you're like, hey, how was the pastor today? Do you, you like the pastor today? How the, you know, it was good. Coffee is a little bit weak today, but you know, this, that made up for it because the bathroom was clean, and, but you kind of do that when you go home from church, and so we did that. And our family said, hey man, we all, we did you like it? Yeah, did you like it? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's not visit any other churches. We'll just make this our home church. And so we did. We made Heritage Baptist Church our home church, and, and it was full of, man, great people that I loved dearly, but it was one of those churches that early on as a church became a little bit, the word would be legalistic. And, and so there was, there was you know, some rules that you were supposed to keep at this church, so you, you weren't supposed to go to the movies. Never really understood that, but there was that was kind of a rule. And, and you weren't supposed to wear jeans to church. Like, I remember an, an older man turning around to me when I had jeans on as a teenager, like, man, you need to wear your best to church. And, like, it was a big deal. And And, and then there was, you know, some other rules that man, there was definitely no rock music. I mean, that was like, whoa, you're getting crazy if you're listening to anything but Christian music. And for sure, you were not allowed to drink anything stronger than sweet tea, where I was from. And so, I mean, for sure, there was none of that. And without meaning to, it became very easy to equate spirituality with activity. Like, if you do the right things and you stay away from the list of wrong things, then Jesus loves you and God's happy with you. And it's in these cultures, maybe you can relate, maybe you kind of grew up in that, that we try hard to be a faithful Christian, and no matter how hard we try, we don't seem to measure up. It can be exhausting. And to the point where there's a lot of effort, but there's not a whole lot of joy, there's not a whole lot of peace, and you're working really hard, but you're not sure if you're making any progress. It's like almost like running on a treadmill. Like running on a treadmill is one of the things that I absolutely hate the most, I, I hate, I would... Rather and I, I enjoy running and I know it doesn't look that way, but I enjoy running and, and I would rather run in the rain, I'd rather run in the freezing cold than be in a basement looking at a wall running on a treadmill. Because man, you you know, and if you and if you're the type of person that man, I love my treadmill, then I you're but I just don't I can't stand it because I'm sitting there working so hard, sweating so much. And I'm not, I don't feel like I'm doing any. I'm not making progress. I don't know. Did I run? And you have the analytics on there. But for some of us, our relationship with God feels like a treadmill in a basement where the analytics doesn't work on it. Like you're running. And you're sweating, and you're working hard, but you have no clue if you're making any progress. And it gets exhausting, and you get bored. And that's how a lot of times our relationship with Jesus becomes if we're not careful. Henry Blackaby, he said it this way. We are so activity-oriented, we assume we are saved for a task to perform rather than for a relationship to enjoy and when and if you, you, you if you've had times in your walk with the lord that has been kind of like this you could probably relate with this like there's some passages in the bible that you say you believe that you really don't understand passages like this Matthew 11:28 that says this come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest and, and you you believe it but you really don't under, like rest? I I haven't experienced that. Or take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And those words, rest and easy and light, they just don't seem to describe what your relationship with Jesus is when you kind of grow up in that activity-driven spirituality. Or, or a verse like John 8, 32 that says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You think, free? Are you kidding me? Freedom, rest, joy, isn't that what happens when you get to heaven? But it's not really what you can experience Here. And for you, you, you read verses like that, and if you grew up or if you're just kind of bent towards an activity-driven, do-so-God-loves-you spirituality, then you struggle to really even comprehend what verses like this means, and that's how I kind of grew up. And then it was probably about six years ago that God broke me in a way that impacted every single area of my life, and it was 99% my fault. And I began to understand and experience things that I had preached about for a long time, things like grace, mercy, intimacy, rest, and above all, the idea that Jesus really is enough. And it wasn't until... I was in my mid-30s and, and walked through a season of brokenness where my world was turned upside down that I began a little bit to understand that some of the ways I had been doing this thing weren't the ways that Jesus intended it to be. See, one of the, the things that I continue to learn is this, that the primary call on my life is not to do something for Jesus, The primary call in my life is to be with Jesus. And so as we have kind of begun a few weeks ago this series, The Life of a Jesus Follower, we said that the life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships. Why? Because Jesus was all about relationships. He was about his relationship with his heavenly father, He was about his relationship with other followers of him, other believers. And he was about his relationship with people that were far from God and that weren't believers. And his whole life, you can take every story in the Gospels and you can connect them to one of those relationships. And we've been talking about specifically how at first we need to focus on that relationship with God. And we've used the word abide abide in a relationship with God. And and sometimes, if we're honest, and and maybe you have done this to yourself, or maybe a well-meaning person in your life has done this, sometimes we complicate our relationship with God. Because really, there's there's two goals. There's two big goals if you're a a follower of Jesus. The overall goal is that you want to know God. And not just I know God like I know who George Washington is, but you want to know God intimately, personal relationship with God. You want to know God. That's the overall goal. And out of knowing God, everything else comes from that. But, but the, the daily goal, if the overall goal is to know God, the daily goal is to spend time with God. And again, sometimes we complicate this thing and we make it way different than other relationships we have. But just think of every other relationship in your life that's important to you. What are you trying to do there? You're trying to know that person and you're trying to spend time with them. But yet sometimes we take this relationship with God and this idea of growing in this and we complicate it and we make it about checking boxes and a lot of, a lot of effort and hope God's happy with us if we check all the right boxes. And that's not really what it's about. And so here's, here's the big question I want you to think about right now. Why if if those are the goals, if the goal is to know God and to spend time with God as we think about being a follower of Jesus, why is spending time with God so important? I want you to think about it. Like why, why is it so important as we seek to know God that we spend time with him and, and that we make that a priority in our life and in our day? And, and I want to answer that question by asking you three more questions. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this question down or you can follow along in the app. Here's the first question does a Jesus follower want to sin? Does a Jesus follower want to sin? And your immediate response might be, yes, of course. The, the reason I sin, even though I'm a follower of Jesus, is because I want to. But, but I want you to think about that. Does a Jesus follower really want to sin? Yeah, there's, there's flesh inside of us that desires that. But down deep, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God lives inside of you, and when you do something that is against God, you know this, you get checked in your spirit, and you know, man, I didn't really want to do that. I, yeah, I did. I gave into my flesh, but I, I know this isn't the right thing, and I don't wake up in the morning saying, man, I can't wait to, to do what's wrong. I can't wait to sin against God, because down deep in our heart, if you're a follower of Jesus, like you don't want to sin. You know the consequences that come with that. So we don't, and if you're here and you'd say, you know what, I actually do. then I would encourage you, man, check to see if you're really a follower of Jesus. Because if you, if you wake up and you're like, man, I can't wait to disobey God with my life. Then you may want to check if you really have a relationship with God because a Jesus follower, yes, we sin because we have flesh, but man, we don't desire to sin. But here's the second question. Does a Jesus follower have to sin? Like, like, is it just a given that you're always going to struggle with porn? Like, is it just a, you know what? This is just going to always be a struggle. Even though I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm always going to be a little bit of a gossip. I'm always going to be selfish. I'm always going to have some greed in me. Is it just a given that no matter what, even if you're a follower of Jesus, that you kind of have to and you just can't help it? Before you answer Look at Romans 6, verse 6 and 7. It says this. We know that our old self, so before our relationship with Jesus, was crucified. That word crucified means rendered inactive, made of no effect. So was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin sin. This past week I told you I was in Florida and so Florida this time of year is is really interesting as far as the weather. So for instance uh, Thursday night we were at a rehearsal dinner for a a wedding that was going to be Friday and it was you were kind of sweating at that it was like high 80s. Friday night during the wedding the bride was literally like freezing shaking while she was doing her vows because it was in the 40s. So this is the type of weather. But but most of the time, specifically if you uh, are, are in the summer, man, if you enjoy like running and getting outside, you try to do it really early because if you do it like after 7 o'clock, you are, I mean, you're going to be sweating and nasty like within minutes. And, and so when I when I would live in Florida and when I would go out and run, Man, you would go out and run it, and even if you're only out there, and I'm pretty slow, which is obvious, uh, but 15, 20 minutes of it, you come back, and you can literally wring your shirt out, and it might only be 6.30 in the morning. Well, well, here's what I would do. I would go run, you know, take that off, and you'll know, put it in the dirty clothes and, and leave it there. But every now and then, and it would be in the dirty clothes, and you'll put on some fresh clothes, take a shower. But every now and then, if a couple days had gone by, and I was going to go out and run again, and man, I looked in the drawer, and the, the stuff that I usually use to run wasn't there, I'd be like, you know what? Stuff's dried up by now, and it's not, it's not t- terribly nasty. And I'd you know, walk over and you know, kind of put that back on and, and kind of go do my thing. And, and you know, then that would repeat itself you know, different times. And, but, but here's what, with this verse... The scriptures tell us that, you know what, that old self, that nasty, sweaty, disgusting, like you don't even know how bad you stink clothes, like you take that stuff off. When you, when you start a relationship with Jesus, and it's not because you're great or I'm great, it's because he's great, like he takes that off, he cleans us up, he puts fresh clothes on us, like we're clean. But you know what, that stuff's still in the closet. And every now and then, You get bored or I get bored or we start to have a stupid attack and we walk over and we decide, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put the nasty stuff back on. I don't have to do it. I've got clean clothes on. I'm good to go. But you know what? I like that shirt. I like the color on that shirt. and So I'm going to go ahead and put that nastiness back on. Nobody made us do it. You didn't have to do it. You chose to do it just like I do Sometimes. And, and, and so as you think about, does a Christian, does a follower of Jesus have to sin? No. I, I, if they had to, then Jesus should have never died on the cross because it wasn't very powerful. Because of what he did, man, we do sin and, and, what, and, and we do choose the flesh, but we don't have to. It's not like we're a, a slave and we have to do what sin tells us. No, sin is dead to us. So here's the third question. And this is the question that is a little bit more painful. So if we don't want to sin, and we don't have to sin, why do we sin? If I don't want to, like down deep, the Spirit of God's living in me, and I know the consequences of it, and so I don't don't have to, I don't necessarily want to, but why do we still do it? There's a verse in John, John 14, 15, and it says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So what did you really mean by that, Jesus? It's hard to understand, is it? Is it really hard to understand? It doesn't look very hard to understand, does it? Pretty self-explanatory. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I wrote this in my notes. Obedience is not the focus of the life of a Jesus follower. Obedience is the fruit of of the life of a Jesus follower as I focus on intimacy with God. Clyde Cranford, he said it this way, our obedience is in direct proportion to our love. And I know we don't like to think that because that means we really don't love Jesus like we say. So, so think about it this way. So, so it starts with sin. So, so we sin. Why do we sin? According to this verse, because we don't love God. Not, not that we don't love him at all, but but we don't love him probably as much as we say or think we love him. And so we sin as a result of not loving God. We don't love God as much as we think we love God because we don't know God as much as we think we know God. Yeah, yeah, we know like John 3, 16 God, and we know like get me out of hell free God, and we kind of know the basics, but we don't really know God the way probably we think. So for for me, in, in my life, on December 20th, 1997, I stood at Grace Baptist Church in Yuba City, California. Some of you were there. And uh, I said, I love Lori Gledhill, who's now Lori Fincham. who's the day we got married. But you know what? I love her today like I could have never loved her in 1997 and why is that? Because I know her a lot better. And for many of us, our knowledge of God and Jesus is like the John 3:16 version and so we love him as much as you can love somebody that you barely know. And so because we don't love God, we don't love God because we don't know God, we don't know God because we don't spend time with God. Like, what's made the difference in my love for for my wife now versus 1997? uh, 22 plus years of spending time together. I, I mean, imagine this. Imagine if I, when I got engaged to Lori, We got engaged on July 4th up in New York. When I got engaged to Lori, if I would have said to Lori, hey, you know what? I I can't wait to marry you. And you know what? Let's get married and let's only spend Sunday mornings together. And then if I really need something or if something goes haywire in my life, maybe let's connect a little bit more during those seasons. But I'm going to set aside Sunday mornings for you and then when my life starts to go crazy, then I'll open up some more time for you. And, and that's going to be my relationship. Well, that's obviously crazy. Because I'm not going to know or love Lori if I don't spend time with her. And no woman's going to sign up for that anyway. That's just nuts. But that's exactly what we do with our relationship with God. We, we wonder, man, why, why do I keep falling? Why do I keep struggling Well, maybe because I don't love God, because I don't know God, because I never spend time with Him, because I don't see the need. Like we make other excuses. I mean, don't you? I do. I I can give you four or five excuses why I don't spend time with God, but at the end of the day, it's because I don't see the need. Because things that I know I need, I'm selfish enough to go after. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one in the room like that. And so I don't see the need. I mean, we, if, you're, if you're honest, maybe, maybe you're not like this, but I am. But if I was to say, how many of you feel like spending time with God is a great thing to do? Absolutely. It's a good thing to do. How many do you think it might be helpful in your life? Oh, everybody raise their hand. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be helpful. But here's the thing. We think spending time with God is a really, really good option, like getting a gym membership or reading a leadership book. Like, you know what? That probably would be helpful. That is a, probably a really good option, and that would help me in my life. But we don't think of it the way John fifteen five talks about it when it says, apart from me, I can do nothing. Where Jesus, he says, apart from me? you can't do anything. And you know how we read that? Apart from me, you can't do any big things. But he said, no, 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 no. Apart from me, you can't do anything. This past week, I was with some guys in Florida. We get together about once a year, and the the group's called Bob. It's a real creative name, Uh, and, and it stands for Band of Brothers. And it's 30 to 40 guys, and, and we don't always, can't always go every year. So it ends up being about 30 guys each year. And, and we get together, and we spend about two days together. We have different speakers come in. We spend time just encouraging each other. And here's the goals of that group. Like, these are the big goals of this group. The, the big goals are this, that we want to, at the end of our life, at 80, 90 years old, still have a great relationship with our wife. That we're still holding the hands and in love with our wife when we're old. The second goal of that group is we want to help each other still have a great relationship with our kids where they think we hung the moon and they want to hang out with us even when they don't have to hang out with us. And then the third goal of that group is we want to take thousands of people with us to heaven when this thing's over. And so we get together, and so you, you hear things like that, and you have things in your life like that too, man, where you got these big goals, and you have some things you're going after, and it's like, man, I really need God in these. But you know what? I really need God to breathe too. I really need God to be nice to somebody today. I need God not just for the the, the big things. I need God for the little things that I don't even think about. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so when I don't spend time with God, when I don't make it a priority, it's not because of all the five, ten excuses I use. It's because I don't see the need. And that really comes back to a thing called pride. Like, I've got enough in me to handle this thing until it gets really crazy, and then I need to bring God into it, and so that's how some of us live, but here's, let's flip that thing around, like what's it supposed to look like? Well, there's a verse in James chapter 4 verse 6 that says this, he gives more grace, therefore it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, and so let's flip it around, and Instead of starting with sin, let's start with grace. Let's start with humility. And, and that humility and that grace, you know what it does? It shows me that I need God. I, I, I see a need. When, I start, when it starts with humility, when, when God pours out his grace, instead of me saying, yeah, God, I'll call you when things get really crazy, I realize, you know what? I need God every single hour of every single day It starts with humility, which allows me to see the need. Then when I see the need, I understand, you know what? I need to spend time with God. I spend time with God not because I need to check a box, but man, I need fellowship with God. And when I spend time with God, guess what happens? I begin to know God. And when I know God, I begin to love God, and then I obey God. And when I obey God, it's not a chore, but it's just a fruit of an intimate relationship. It's not a, all right, i got to obey God today. Oh, it's Sunday, probably got to go to church. Got to check that box today. No, it's, man, it started with, hey, I'm desperate for God, and, and I see this need, and I spend time with God, and I know him and love him, and man, so it's a privilege for me to go and spend time with other followers of him. It's not a chore. It's a privilege. And so as we think about our relationship with God and as we think about what does it look like, what does the life of a Jesus follower really look like? Whether you're somebody that you you grew up in church and maybe walked away from the church for a season or maybe you've never been connected to a church or maybe you've been following Jesus faithfully for decades. Jesus desperately wants a relationship with us. He desperately wants to have, not this George Washington, I know some facts about him, but uh, an intimate relationship with us. He invites us into that. In fact, John 14, 21, it says it this way, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That word "manifest" means to let oneself be intimately known, and that's what Jesus is inviting us into. And, and here's—I know we have all types of backgrounds in here, and for some, you say, "Chris, man, as I think about relationships I've had, whether it's a relationship with your father, whether it's a relationship with someone close to you, whether it's a marriage, a first marriage, you, you think, you know what that." An intimate, known, loving relationship. I I don't have a context for that because I haven't really experienced that because my relationships have frankly been jacked up. And so for you, you're kind of like you're kind of holding Jesus maybe even at at an arm's length because you know what? I have been hurt by so many people that wanted a relationship that this idea of intimacy with you, God, it's something I haven't experienced and I'm not real sure of. And here's what Jesus would say. He would invite you into that. Like, I get it. I know you've been hurt. I know you have trouble trusting. But I, I invite you, come as you are. Come as you are because I love you, not because of what you do for me, but I love you because of who I am. And that's what he invites us into. He valued, if you, if you read through the Gospels, he valued relationship so much he valued his relationship with his father and he values his relationship with you and so it leads us to the question that kind of we have been dancing around a little bit and here's the question do you know god Like, like do you not not do you know the gospel do you know what jesus did on the cross that's a really good thing to know i hope you do know that but do you really know god like, do you know God as much or better than as you know your best friend? Or is, is God, and, and this idea of Jesus, is it almost like somebody in history that I know some facts about, and I know some people that are kind of excited about him, but, but intimacy with him, I don't really know him on that level, I just know a lot about him in my head. Do you know God? See, when I was in, in kindergarten, I remember, uh, right after my mom and dad moved us to Florida, I had a crush on a sixth grade girl. So I'm in kindergarten. I don't have like any game at all, obviously, in kindergarten, and definitely not for a sixth grade girl. Uh, but I can remember, and she was, I mean, in sixth grade, like the, the greatest thing you can be in sixth grade is a safety patrol. And so if you're a safety patrol, like you go up a couple notches of coolness, of everything. If you are wearing one of those orange things, at least back when I was a kid. And so this girl was a safety patrol. Her dad was actually one of the principals. And so when I was in kindergarten, I had a crush on this sixth grader. I knew her name. I knew a little bit about her. But I didn't really know her, and I certainly didn't love her. And for some of us, that's kind of our relationship with God. Like, I kind of got a crush on him, which sounds really kind of weird even to say. But, you know, I kind of know some things about him. But I don't really know him, and I certainly don't love him. And, and, and so maybe for you, or, and, and this is kind of, don't take this the wrong way, but for some of us, this might be a moment we just need to come clean with ourselves. And, it, and it just admit, I don't really know God. And as a result, I don't obey him because I really don't love him. The reason I'm consistently selfish, greedy, bitter, is I don't love God. I know I've been blaming it on four or five other things, but at the end of the day, the reason I am this way, the reason I choose sin, is I don't know God and I don't love God, so why would I act any different? And for some, it's just, we we have to kind of come clean and just say, you know what? I don't know Him. I don't love Him. I just don't trust Him. And here's what, what, what he would probably say is, you know what? That's okay. You, you might have grown up in a, in a situation where even saying and being honest was like, you don't be honest unless honesty is good. Like, unless what you have to say is like a good thing, if you have a question or if you have a disagreement, nah, you don't need to be honest about that. Just be honest if you can kind of line up with everybody else. But you know what? You can be honest. You can say, you know what, I don't know you, and I don't love you, and that's why I act the way I do. I'm not going to pretend anymore that it's another reason. See, what, what's awesome is God's so gracious and so loving that he's always just standing there like, man, I already knew that actually. I already knew that about you. I already knew that you have trouble trusting me. I already knew that, that you, you don't know me really well, but I'm going to keep inviting you into intimacy that will change you forever. And so, what would it look like for you if you got to know God better? Like, like, what would your life look like this week if you didn't get to know more about God, but you got to know God intimately better than you do now? What would that look like? Again, man, sometimes we overcomplicate it, but just think about every other relationship in your life that's important to you. Like, what if you treated God like those? Like, you spent time you cared you you listened and well, what what if you just got to know god better and and here's how i want to kind of end i want to give you just a couple things to to think about that if you choose to say you know what i i want to get to know god yeah i do man okay i'll i'll I get it. I'll come clean. I, I don't love God the way I say I do or probably should. And I, the, the reason I do certain things and the reason I'm selfish and, and some of the things that I'm not real excited or proud of is, is not because of all the stuff I've been blaming it on, but it simply is. I just My relationship with God's not what it, probably everybody thinks. But I want to know God. And so here's, here's some thoughts. No matter what season of life you're in, some ways to get to know God. Here's some things that should be a part of that process. Let me just give you a few things and we're going to close up. The first thing that should be part of that process is humility. And so whether you getting to know God looks like you getting up early in the morning and opening your Bible, whether it looks like you listening to some scripture on your way to work, whether it looks like you meditating on on some truth from a song It can look a lot of different ways in a lot of different seasons of life, but it will always be a place of humility where you are saying, you know what? I need you, God. I need you. I'm desperate for you. And so humility should be part of that process. The second thing is truth. There's a lot of great advice out there. There's a lot of great opinions out there. But at the end of the day, if you're going to get to know God There should be humility and there should be truth. There should be the truth of the scripture somewhere in that process. Again, whether it's you reading a devotional, whether it's you meditating on a a truth in a song, whether it's you listening to something, truth should be part of it. The third thing is time. Time, consistency. And again, You don't have to try to be a hero and be like, I'm going to spend an hour a day with God. When you're like, I have not spent five minutes with God in the last month, you're probably not going to start by spending an hour a day with God. But maybe you could say, you know what? I'm going to set aside 15 minutes twice a week, and I'm just going to open up a devotional, and I'm just going to take a few minutes and read it. And that's where I'm going to start. I'm just going to start trying to get to know God 15 minutes twice a week where I put some truth in my mind, where I come to God with humility, and I just try to meditate on those truths. And then the last thing is communication. If you're going to get to know God, then you want to communicate with Him. And there's two parts of communication, isn't there? There's listening, and there's talking. And so we listen, but then we also can share with God. And God wants to hear from us. He wants to know what's, what we're worried about, what we're anxious about, our, what's on our heart. He, he, he welcomes that. And so, man, we have people in our church that, you know, their time with God is when they're sitting on a tractor at, on their farm. They spend a lot of time on their tractor, and so they 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 meditate on truth. We have some some young moms in in our church that you know what if they can find fifteen minutes twice a week that's huge because they've got little ones all over the place that are that are wanting their time, and and so for them it's going to look a little different than the farmer on the tractor. But then we also have some people that say you know what. I just get up a little early and I take some time with God. It's going to look different. But if we want to really love God, we've got to get to know him. And when we get to know him, it it really changes everything. And so this week, as we kind of close up this morning, what would rest look like for you? Like what if this week we made the goal of getting to know God? but actually this week became one of the most restful weeks in our spirituality that we've had in a long time as we're trying to get to know God better. Is that even possible? And I think it is. I think that that you could leave today saying, you know what, this week I'm not going to strive to to try to please God and check all the boxes. I'm just going to rest and I'm going to work on just getting to know Jesus and just spending some time with Him and letting that transform my life. And and I believe if if we do that, that that we will see more things happen in our lives, in our families, and in our gathering as we seek to be a place that says, you know what, you can come here even if you don't check all the boxes, because really none of us do. Because all we're trying to do, whether you're 80 or whether you're 12, is we're just trying to get to know Jesus better And we believe as we get to know Jesus better, you know what? We'll be a better mom. We'll be a better employee. We'll be a better dad. We'll be a better student. We'll care more about people that are hurting if we just get to know Jesus. And so this week, let's let's set aside some time in the rhythm of our week. Again, whether you're a teenager or whether you're uh, 80 years old, just somewhere in our rhythm, to get to know God a little bit better. Let's pray. Jesus, we we thank you for how you love us so much. You proved that to us by coming and and giving your life on the cross. You went into a grave, and, and three days after you went into that grave, you rose from the grave. You defeated sin. You defeated death, and you did that for us. And this morning, you're you're not asking us to do a bunch of stuff for you because honestly, you don't need us. But you desperately want to have a relationship with us. And so God, I pray as we just seek to walk through this week, not striving and tired and exhausted, trying to check all these boxes so you're happy with us, but instead just resting in the fact that you desire a relationship. And Lord, I pray you would give each person in here just wisdom to know what what does that look like in the rhythm of their life. And God, if that's one day this week, if that's five days this week, you're not impressed by how many days we spend with you. I pray that each of us would find some time to listen and communicate with you. And God, we're trusting that as we get to know you better, that we will love you more and that we will then, from the fruit of our love for you, obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.